poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson, and I'm joined by Duncan Palamortis. It's Philosophical Friday. Duncan, how you doing, sir? Good, good. Hello, hello. How, how's life? Life is good. Life is good. No complaints. Released a Wolf update video this week in podcast on YouTube with good news and good graphs. So beautiful. You know, I'm just going to take a, a few a few days to savor the the <laughs> progress before I start uh, having you know an existential breakdown trying to trying to help everybody. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's one of those. Savor is good, absolutely. It's one of those things, you know. You make progress, and then you want to savor it, but then you're like, you know what? I want some more progress, mm. right? It's like it's it's one of those things that we're never really satisfied. Um, no, but but I know what it, you mean. It's easy for me to not savor. It's easy yep. for me to keep move chugging along to the next problem that mm. needs to be solved, and not just taking a moment to be like, wow we've come such a long way that this is, this is really incredible. It feels really good. Indeed. Indeed. And, and incidentally, since it's philosophical Friday, let's talk just a little bit about that before we go into the main topic. You know, the idea of, um, again, we have the proximity principle. We talk about sometime from time to time, the idea that we tend to, um, our attention, uh, tends to be grabbed by things that happen to us close to us, both temporally and spatially, right? So things which are close to us in space and in time, right? Mm -hmm. But talk about that idea, the idea that sometimes, you know, in order to understand progress, sometimes you have to go further, further, further back in the before and after pictures, so to speak. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I exactly understand the, the question here. Like um, how, let, let me, okay, this may, uh, let me rephrase it. How would you say, um, how can you escape the proximity principle? What is your version of escaping the proximity principle so that you can see the progress in, in, in the long run, right? Because progress is very difficult yeah. to see from day to day. Like you don't see, like you don't gain, like let's say 10 pounds of muscle overnight. You don't gain skill in poker okay. overnight. Okay, I see what right? you're saying. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, for me, it's just data sets. Like it's just right. seeing seeing data sets like over the course of a week, over the course of a month, over the course right. of three months, and then like comparing current, data sets with past data sets and you know filtering and looking at like how different spots are being played and what the win rate is etc so like that's really what it is for me is like just when you have a bunch of players and who are putting in volume you know you mm -hmm. can look at databases relatively quickly and you know adjust relatively fast so yeah it's just uh letting the results pour in looking at my, my spreadsheet and seeing how people are doing on a daily basis and then being like, wow, there's not one losing player this month. That's got to be a good sign. Um, 
So yeah, let, me, let, me, let me paraphrase it a little bit yeah. because I think it's incredibly useful. So what I'm hearing, I'm hearing two important things. One is go back in time, mm -hmm. uh, but also outsourcing in the form of notes, right? So use the data points, like make sure you save, which computers do, do automatically these days, but make sure you save those data somewhere, like yeah. it's some, whether it's the cloud, whether it's note taking, whether it is. So outsource this so that you don't have to worry and to be in the back of your head and then go back and look at it. So yeah. you can actually see this whole uh, process. Yeah, which I, I get, do think I've also outsourced like the aggregation of results too. Mm -hmm. Like I get mm -hmm. a, sure. my assistant gets, shows me a report in the morning of how people are doing. So I'm like always on top of things. And then I have like aggregated for the month. And right. yeah, so just uh, staying on top of everything. But my, my, my big goal is a million hand data set of mm -hmm. winning 10 BBs per hundred. Like that's, that okay. to me is like achievement unlocked type of yep. type of situation. That's, that's what I'm aiming for. Um, and that would be, yeah, that'd be killer, but we don't, I don't, I, I don't have that yet, <laughs> but yeah, it's no, something to strive for, right? It's that, that's where the future progress hopefully sure. takes us. Um, but yeah, very, very, very happy today. And like yeah, speaking of, you know, coaching and tracking and analyzing, mm -hmm. um, Let's uh, talk about the topic of the day. Absolutely. So we were thinking of uh, diving into the world of, of coaching. You know, what what exactly is coaching? It's not particularly obvious, right? And what goes into it? Uh, what makes for a good student? What makes for a good coach? Uh, can everybody be a coach? Can everybody be a student? This type of thing, you know, like we can try and dive in. And why don't we, you know, start right away? How would you define coaching and I guess to just phrase that question a little bit more specifically, um, you know, when we were in school and, you know, uh, we would help each other, you know, do do our homeworks and things like that. Would that fall under the definition of, of, of coaching, you know, helping each other sometimes like at the peer level? Or does it have to be a difference in experience in your own words? What is what is really coaching in your mind? I think definitely it can be at the peer level. Right. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like to me, coaching is problem solving it's mm -hmm. problem identification problem solving and then coming up with uh you know basically com communicating in such a way where the student can fill in the gaps from problem to solution mm -hmm. and understand that the necessary steps mm -hmm. from problem to solution and then can replicate it right so like it's just identifying problems helping them um see the right path Mm -hmm. generally it's like there's some like <laughs> coaching if you will right. uh, sure. uh, in, in that process of like asking questions that help them arrive at the right path um, but i think that like it's always better to have your student um, get there on their own mm -hmm. solve the problem on their own without it being like spoon-fed um and so yeah just speaking of spoon-feeding uh sp sp spoon-feeding do you think uh that coaching is closer to a good form of manipulation to get the student in the right place uh, or more it's closer to co-discovery uh i mean i think it's i think co-discovery is part of it that 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 to me is like the most fun part is co-discovery mm -hmm. personally right. um but I, I do also think it's like a good form of manipulation and i would say that there is some spoon feeding stuff too like there mm -hmm. are just things that like somebody makes a, a giant preflop error you just have to tell mm -hmm. them like yo, this loses money. You don't, 
you don't get to limp under the gun with seven dues off, right? Like obviously mm-hmm. this is going to lose money and that needs to be like spoon fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I guess even, even there, there's a problem and you can still talk to right. them about like how to, how to get to where like, yeah, this is not a hand that is going to make money when you limp with it under the gun. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that to me would be coaching. And I think it could be done peer to peer. It could be done um, at really any level. I don't, I don't think that, I don't, think that it needs to come from someone who's even a better poker player than than the other person like i I think that there anybody can help another person learn actually i think this is this is very important i think that you don't even have to be better than the person that that that, that you're coaching i think that's a very fundamental uh, as long as the information flow um is uh, is uh is proper and uh uh, but we'll definitely we'll definitely get back to this because that's an important thing. If if you know the uh, the coach has to be a better player than than the student. Um, but before we go there, you uh, about spoon feeding. Um, uh, do you think that it's long term viable? Like if you're spoon fe- spoon feeding somebody, like they can have uh, they can have good results, or this yeah. is only for short term. I think it's long term viable. Okay. Depends on the framework. Depends on the situation. Um, but there are definitely situations that are uh, spoon feedable. I don't know if right. that's that's a, that's a, a word, but we're going to make it a word today on Philosophical <laughs> Friday. <laughs> For sure, yes, no, because I definitely have my doubts uh, about spoon feeding in particular, and uh, and uh, and I have an issue because it uh, as it relates to um, to meta humility, and uh, th- there's two issues there. The number one is the assumption that the person who's forcing somebody uh, to do something um, makes the meta assumption that they know better than the other person, which is not always the case, especially if the other person keeps pushing back and keeps doing the second, the, the same, uh, the same mistakes. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and the second issue is that uh, I don't think it addresses the, the why, like why is somebody keep doing the same thing? And, uh, and again, it comes down to compatibility of disagreement, which I know, you you disagree with but it's it's something that or or you're trolling me well no 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 no, i'm not i'm not trolling you i've seen i I just have i i've accumulated enough evidence through selling courses and looking at data and just seeing these types of situations that occur somewhat frequently where i could just tell someone like just do this here and it will make money like period right. now will it be optimal probably not will there be areas to upgrade will it always stay the same as it is today i can't i i you, nobody can know that either because we don't know the trajectory right. um of how people think about poker right. moving indefinitely into the future and i think it's a fluid thing but i could say that like in a specific space of time that there are things that like they just make money if you just do them um that that's something that works. Like you, you do you do A, you get B, right? I mean that's uh, um, the the question is whether or not these people you know sort of like revert back to you know their bad habits or they sort of like maintain. That's I guess the yeah. It I think that in situations that are like immediately profitable, mm-hmm. where you get positive reinforcement very quickly, um, I think that that just anchors them. Right. So that's the way of being convinced, basically. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. F- fake it till you make it. Right. So you sort of like get into, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. 
So um, that could backfire too, right? Like because variance mm -hmm. is obviously very real, and there are some mm -hmm. people that like mm -hmm. in in any given strategy, any given spot, right. you know, the poker gods are going to shine down on some people, right. and right. the poker gods are going to strike other people down with lightning in the same exact spot over over a small sample. So, you know, there is some some noise there with with small sample sizes. Absolutely. Um, and this is something which is important for people to remember, right? I mean, you know, given uh, given a, a big enough sample of people uh, trying uh, a certain thing, there's going to be some ones that are going to succeed, uh, regardless of whether it's a long-term sure. viable strategy, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, which brings us to, to a next question. Um, for pro With problems like that, these remind us that, you know, there might be a distinction between what's noise and what's real. So, I guess one question would be, is coaching necessary? Do you think that people need a form of coaching or another in order to uh, to succeed? I, I mean, no. You know, okay. I never had a coach okay. for the first fifteen years, like a, a you know a, a proper coach. I guess I had friends who were high level that I discussed poker with, which that is coaching in a sense, but not a you know not a dedicated coach who is consistently looking at my game, consistently giving feedback. I'm meeting with them like every week and right. they're assigning homework and they're basically leading me right so it's more very quickly here would we consider you know like googling and uh two plus two would we consider that a form of coaching self-coaching i don't know maybe because there is a lot of wisdom out there that can be can be used and a lot of people who indirectly you know that can can give information so is that some sort of like my fear is that the quality of the information is hard to discern. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I mean, I mean, I guess like there is good coaching, but I think there's also negative that mm -hmm. you could read on the internet as well that can be detrimental to your game. So, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that like coaching from, you know, someone of influence in the space that you respect, like, I think it's a thing. I think like reading a book and learning from a book is certainly a thing. And mm -hmm. so it's like a, just for further proximity. Mm -hmm. Very good. So, so you, so basically, to put it in answer to that, you don't think that that, that coaching is necessary. People can actually, uh, yeah, people can figure this out. People have been are, beating poker without coaching, you know, for a very long time. I'm sure there are people who have never been coached that are beating poker today, and will continue to do so in the future. Like, I, I definitely believe that like talent in this space is a thing. There are some people who are like hardwired to be more successful than other people at playing games. It's just that that to me just seems seems very clear at this and, stage. In this specific type of games also, because there's a huge difference in the way people play games of perfect information like chess and poker. In particular, I've seen a lot of chess players having a lot of trouble with poker. And I am I, trash at chess. I am right. trash at checkers. Vice versa. Right. Like I yeah. played a friend of mine in checkers at an airport. Like it was when the iPads had just started coming out and we downloaded a checkers app and we were sitting there waiting for our flight and he beat me 30 games in a row. Right. I, I, I had a piece advantage for one move in 30 games. He beat the living shit out of me again and again <laughs> and again and again. It wasn't even like... It wasn't even a contest. So like my spatial recognition, those type of games, they just, it doesn't click. I don't know why. I, it, it just doesn't resonate with me. 
cards, cards are a different thing and they've always resonated with me for whatever reason. So yeah, the, the specific game definitely does matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and what, what would you say makes like a, a potential student uh, coachable? What would you say are some of the traits of a good uh, coachee, if you will, or a good student, let's say, more specifically? Uh, I, I think that, so, you know, Nick, Nick Howard treat, tweeted something a while back that said that, you know, for you to, basically for you to influence somebody, the first thing that they need to know is that you care. So mm -hmm. I think that they have to trust you. They have to respect you. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's really the first component to having um, a good student. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, coachable coachable students tend to not make the same mistakes again and again and again from week in mm -hmm. and week out. There there tends to be some kind of progression. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't make mistakes; they just tend to not make the same mistakes. Um, again and again. So there's like this communication, there's problem solving, there's leading them to the solution. And then there's them replicating that on their own and not falling apart when they encounter this problem again and again and again, they fall apart at different problems, but not that specific one. So like, I think that's quite important that they retain the mm -hmm. information from the, the coaching session, from everything that I've learned about learning. Um, we focus on learning a lot you know, we focus on stuffing things into our brain, but really the goal of learning things is to stave off forgetting. Mm -hmm. We don't want to forget what we learn. Um, so, you know, if, if uh, a student is like super coachable, learns during the session and then everything falls out of their brain and they revert back mm -hmm. the next day, well, that's not going to make for a super great coaching student relationship because then you're just doing the same sessions again and again, and that's not gratifying for anybody. Or progress. It's neither gratifying or progress. Like no, you do they're, the they're frustrated, right? Like the coach yeah. is frustrated. They're frustrated because they're not making progress. And, and so right. that, that's not a good, not a good thing. Absolutely. The, the, the way I like to, to summarize it is that there are two types of bad students. Those who listen to everything that you say, and those who listen to nothing that you say. Mm. So it's a very, like my, my nightmare students are those who every time I say something, they take a note of everything. And my nightmare students are every time I, I say something, they're completely ignoring that they tell me their own version of the story. Yeah. So, and the issue with that is like, there's a very important issue. Like uh, the person who listens to everything, they actually are not trying to look for the truth themselves. They're trying to be spoon-fed. That's why I said I have issue with the idea of spoon-feeding, right? I mean, there is an active ingredient in learning where you basically just try to grab information from everywhere. You're asking those questions. You're ready to learn. That's why I said that potentially Googling can be like you're trying to find some smarter people who've actually thought about this thing, can have that information. You try to actively find it. And the more experienced person, not the knowledgeable person, nobody's knowledgeable, will know nothing. Right? But some people have more experience than, than others. So the more experienced person can actually potentially show you something you can grab onto. And then what you mentioned earlier, like, you know, that your students, that they listen to you, they trust you that you have that know-how because, again, you lead them to the promised land of, like, you know, profitable spots. And they follow that. Conversely, the person who listens to nothing, right, is also problematic because that person, again, they have, they have their ear closed. So I find there is a fine line between... You know, the trust, but verify sort of students, right? The students who are going to be, well, Duncan, yeah, I mean, I think I understand what you're saying about limping, but 
what if I wanted to experiment in limp? And to, to which my answer would be, thank God, please do. Please do limp. Please ignore the initiative. Please ignore the trifecta, please. And then try to see why you think it works sure. or it doesn't work. Please try to contradict me. Like, it's very important. Just don't try to contradict me all the time so that we can actually have a conversation going up somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, something important too about coachable students is, in my experience, they ask very good questions. Mm-hmm. So like they ask very good high-level questions because they're looking to build on what we're learning and they're looking to make more connections um, in their brain, right? Like really, they're just trying, they're just like, they have a foundation and then they ask good questions that allow them to like chain out and learn more and grow. Right. Um, so I think like high-level questions are another good sign that that the student is coachable and we're making progress together. Um, Absolutely. And what, what makes for a good uh, coach on the other side of the spectrum? Um, I, I guess the first quality would be that they have to care. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any good coaches that don't care about mm-hmm. their students. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that like you, you have to be invested in them as human beings and poker players. You have to genuinely care about helping to solve their problems because that's what gives you the, you know, the energy to invest thought into like, how do I communicate this from their paradigm? How do I communicate this in a way that makes sense? How do I drop the breadcrumbs in a way to where they'll pick them up and be able to arrive at the solution eventually, right? Because, um, yeah, it's just, you just have to care. It's a lot of energy in the relationship. Um, And I think that good coaches, I, I said it before, but they approach communication, they approach sessions from the student's paradigm. So they talk to them in the language that their student uses mm-hmm. um, so that they can understand and are able to explain it from how they think about the game. And they create good metaphors, they they make good connections, they can tell good stories that resonate. Um, yeah, I think those are just the, the top level things uh, of a good coach. Um, and, and I think good coaches are like always looking to improve their craft. They're looking to hone, get better at what they do. They're looking to progress themselves. You see, this is this is a fundamental idea I very much agree with. And again, I'm, I'm biased, but I have to I have to spell it out. Uh, the the idea that, you know, th- th- these wordings that you're using, the idea that uh, uh, they have uh, they can they care about the game. Right. They, they, they try to improve themselves. Right. The the idea that. Um, uh, they're trying to say how they think about the game. All of that, to me, also shows a student mentality from the perspective of the coach. Like yeah. somebody who, like, that's why sometimes I say again, there's no such thing as a teacher. It's just a more experienced student, right? Mm. It, 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 at least that, that's my perspective, right? So, and what you're talking about, I mean, that's that's the type of honesty. How do the how does the coach think about the game? I think yeah. this is incredible because then the student realizes that you know at least the coach is meta humble, right? I mean, they're not they would be willing to say I'm wrong when they're actually wrong or like they're still, they still have blind spots that they're aware of blind spots. They're not aware of. And all that. Yeah. If beware a coach that has all the answers, of beware a, co- a coach that never says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like you don't know everything and there are new problems that you haven't investigated and you haven't invested energy into solving. 
and you're just not going to have all the answers. So like, I think that coaches should be, should be able to say, I, I don't know to their, when they don't know, right? Like I would rather say, I don't know, and then think about it and get back to them with a reasonable answer after, um, investing thought, mm-hmm. than tell them something that could be totally wrong just because I'm afraid of saying that I don't know, like that seems, that seems not good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, um, and let's talk a little bit more about uh, the a- a- another thing that you touched about good coaches, the idea of communication. Mm-hmm. Let's let's briefly maybe I mean, this is probably a-, a topic of its own. This is one of your favorite interests and one of my favorite interests as well. But let's talk a little bit about uh, about communication. What um, what are some elements that make for a good um, a good coach in terms of, of communicating the ideas to the other person? Um. Again, I think it's using language that resonates with a student, um, mm-hmm. listening to how they describe situations, listening to like how their brain makes connections and how they think about things. Um, and then also introducing language upgrades to the student as well, I think is something that's quite important. You know, if, if the listener were to sit in on like a Wolves coaching session, um, in a lot of ways, it would be like we're speaking a different language. Mm-hmm. because we're just very precise about different lines and different things that, that happen and go on. So I, I think that like um, any, yeah, that, that, that's really the major parts of communication for me, just like m- making sure that any abstract term that could be taken in 10 different ways is clearly defined mm-hmm. so very that good. we're on the same page, asking them like, you know, when you, when you say something, ask, asking the student like, what does that mean to you? What, what does, does that mean to mean? you? Very yeah. important. What does that mean to you? Not what does that mean? Because there's no necessarily universal ways of defining mm-hmm. things. What does that mean to you? That's very, very important. Sure. Yeah, I, I think this is this is a very good point. Yeah. Uh, and and I actually have I have a, a, an, an example about uh, about communication, which sort of like summarizes the way the way I personally view communication. Because to me, it's not it's never about transfer of knowledge. Uh, because I don't think I can transfer knowledge to anybody. It's about whether or not the other person is willing to get the knowledge or not. So, uh, and that's why I like I, I like uh, language that goes something like, this is how I think about the game. This is what I would do in that situation. This is why I would do this. Like things where people can actually hear and then, you know, let uh, uh, process it however they want and, and, and make the best out of it. Um, but what I found is... Um, I have two specific examples. One is, one is related to chess, and it's a little bit clearer. And then one is related to poker. And as everything poker, it can be a little bit vague, but I think it's the same idea. I had a student once, a chess student <laughs> of, all, of all students, who, who came to me and um, with a lot of confidence, uh, they declared to me, for those of you who play chess, you may know that rooks are more valuable than knights. They tend to be more important for those of you who play chess. But she came to me and she said, Duncan, you know what? Knights are better than rooks. In every game that I play, knights are more valuable than rooks. You know, I don't find any usefulness to those rooks. You know, knights are better than, 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 than rooks. And that's it. You know, that's the way I view things. Now, there's, the way I see it, there's two ways you can approach this. One way you can be, you know what? Here's the data. You know, knights uh, are worse than rooks. And here's the data to prove it. You know, blah, 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 blah. You're wrong. Or there's another approach. Uh, which I favor. And that is the approach of why do they think that? 
Yeah, what why? possible? Why? Why do they have that? Let's let's take a close inspection. And again, for those of you who play chess, you notice that knights actually come into the game early on, whereas rooks, because they're in the corner, they tend to actually come into the game later. That doesn't mean they're not they're more they're not valuable, but because they come to the game later, at the at the you know at the lower level of of play. Sometimes people, their, their game is over before the, the rooks are activated. So players don't get to, to use them. So it's very simple. You don't need to know anything about chess. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, knights going to the play before. So I realized that, that that's what's happening. And that's, we had that discussion. And I said, you know, uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Actually, knights are more valuable than the rooks because you never move the rooks. And you're absolutely correct. So from your perspective, what are you actually saying? Makes sense. Now, if there's any chess player out there that will tell me, Duncan, you're insane. You can't call the knights better than the rooks. But I can, because in that specific scenario where she was not activating them, they were worth zero. It doesn't matter what the data says they should be worth. Yeah. For I... her, for her, they're worth zero until she actually learns how to, to, to activate them. And that's a very important, I think, point to understand that if we were her, we would think the exact same thing. Yeah. And I don't, again, I am not a chess player no, no, at no, all, just, but, yeah. but the first thing that comes to my mind from the coaching side of it is that I would ask them to pay attention to when they get in bad positions that were put in by the opponent's rooks or yeah, the, yeah, yeah the rooks. Right. So right. like, I, that's what I would ask, right? Like yeah, I would say like, absolutely. okay, how often, how often are they putting you in bad positions? How often are they hurting you? Right. right. So like pay attention to like the downside. That's the, the villain in this situation is like inflicting on you because in poker and I assume in chess, you know, things are complimentary. Mm -hmm. So if she didn't know how to use that piece, then she's also not going to know how other people are using the piece. Well, correct. Cause there's like a knowledge gap there. Um, and we talked poker, about this, the idea of, of three betting and the symmetry there. You're yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, right. So yeah, that, that would be like, and I, again, I don't play chess, but that, no, that no, would no, be my, my suggestion on. would be to like, look at it from that side of like, how often are you getting crushed by this piece and what's happening here? Right. And then just put more visibility on that so that, you know, she can start saying like, oh, I, I see how this, this is like hurting me um, regularly. Two, two things immediately come to mind. Number one, uh, you don't need to be a chess player to understand something like this, right? Which, by the way, that was the thing that we discussed earlier, whether or not poker coaches need to be better players so you see this thing uh, yeah. you know abstractly and it makes perfect sense which because you're a good coach right and number two uh the questions that you're asking her to ask herself are all assuming that you try to be on her perspective right the things that you would do in her shoes right yeah so that's another thing so you you're trying to be the student you try to be in her shoes it's problem solving it's problem like, solving there's exactly. a problem and like this is how i would go about solving the problem without knowing anything about chess absolutely and th this is actually Bring the segue to, to the next question. By the way, I will come back to the poker example that I have. I won't forget, but because it's an excellent segue. Sure. Do uh, do poker coaches uh, or coaches in general have to be, you know, uh, better players than the players that they coach? And how can, if not, how can we, you know, uh, explain the gap? I don't think they have to be better players, but I do think they have to be good players. Okay. Like, I, I think that there are just things that a good coach, like 
again, it's problem solving, right? And mm-hmm. having someone to identify blind spots and just ask questions that allow you to solve problems on your own is just beneficial because it's it's another set of eyes um, on what's going on. So, I, you know, all Roger Federer has coaches and he's That's like right. the best tennis player in the world. So like, you know, you know, like everybody has coaches that does things at, at exceptionally high levels and, and their coaches generally are not better than them, but, but they are good at whatever thing they're coaching in general, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But in poker specifically, like, I think that, well, I, I think a few things. Um, I think that if a coach were not that good at poker, that a high level poker player would be very resistant to mm-hmm. feedback mm-hmm. and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like a, that's a perspective that just is not going to reap many, many fruits. Right. That's a practical issue. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, like and if, if I'm better than somebody at poker and they're coaching me and I, I know what they're saying is wrong, it's very hard. Like there's a trust issue that absolutely. starts coming into play. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, just to, to phrase it uh, in, uh, in, a, in a basic principle language, if you will, mm-hmm. um, if we were to, uh, to sort of like summarize it, and this is not a pe- perfect metaphor and on a perfect analogy, we never can get give perfect metaphors on analogies if we only use a couple of sentences. But one way I would personally put it is that a coach typically asks better questions than the student, but the student could very well be better at answering them. Yeah, that's, so, that's fair. Yeah, and, and the reason for that, like you can think of a computer, right? I mean, somebody who's like, you have a student who's really good at calculating, right? But I mean, they may not have necessarily the wisdom necessary or the experience to know which calculations to make, right? So that out of all the calculations, you give them, you give them an equation, they solve it immediately, but they may not necessarily know which equation to consider, which, which, which are the right questions to get to the equation. And that's similar also human and artificial intelligence analogy, right? I mean, the computers are so good, but they don't know exactly where to go. They're very intelligent. Not yeah. very wise, right? So, yeah, a lot of that, learning is crafting the right question. Right. I think a lot of high level poker playing is asking yourself the right question in the moment that helps lead you to better conclusions. But, yeah, like I think poker coaches in general, one commonality, they tend to ask very high level questions um, that get them closer to a solution to whatever problem is at hand. Absolutely, I, I I would I would definitely I would definitely agree with that, and just to like take the symmetrical part of that question before we go to the poker example. Yeah. Um, so, um, do I guess we we can put both of them together? Though we we talked about the one half. Uh, do uh, good. Do students uh, do good players can. Let me just rephrase. Can I'll get there eventually? Sorry about that, <laughs> listeners. So, uh, can uh, great players be great coaches, and can great coaches be great players? So let's take both sides at once. Well, yeah, of course they can. They Do can. they have to be? Do they have no. to be? No, I don't think they have to be. I think there are great poker players who are not good coaches at all. Mm-hmm. I think that it's you know a different skill set. It's something mm-hmm. that needs to be learned. There's a learning curve. Um, and you know, there's, I have plenty of examples of this where 
people who I interact with have been coached by some of the best players in the world and have not had positive experiences mm-hmm. with said players because, you know, they're great players, but they haven't really honed their coaching ability, their communication ability, their problem solving ability, their interaction with other human being ability, right? Like just their social skills. Um, so yeah, I, I think that like great players can be terrible coaches. And uh, I think Just that a, I don't. I don't know that terrible players can be great coaches in poker mm-hmm. specifically. Um. Yeah, I I don't know that terrible any. Ter- if somebody's terrible at a thing, I don't know that they can be a good coach in that thing. I sure. can't think of anything off the top of my head. No, that's 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 a good and and actually on the other side, I'm going to try to uh, push a little bit. Uh, not me, actually, Einstein and Feynman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with their principle that if you can't explain it, uh, it doesn't have to be a correct principle, but their principle, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't understand it well yourself. Do you think that principle is true? Does it apply here? Is it different in some sense? What are your thoughts? Uh, and five-year-olds. <laughs> five-year-olds. Did Einstein have a lot of experience with five-year-olds? Because... Hey. <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like teaching five-year-olds how to do things because um, that seems very difficult. But yeah, like the, the best coaches, the best poker minds that I've learned from historically are able to make connections, describe things very succinctly in a way that makes you think, wow, it's so obvious. Why, why didn't I think of it? Because it was so obvious. I think that like the best teachers are able to, to distill things and explain things in such a way that make it in hindsight, make you kind of feel dumb for not ever thinking of things in that way. No, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that, but, but at the same time, you know, we can, uh, uh, we can say that, um, there's also something to be said about whether or not some people have the patience to explain something sure. uh, to, to, to a five-year-old, right? So I think like- Some least, things, come on, some things are so complex. You can't, like, you can't teach them to a five-year-old. Like uh, a, you you, you need know. to listen to Einstein explaining general theory of relativity. Like he is amazing, like just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah. to Richard Feynman for, for that matter. Right? I'm thinking the about is, like the level of complexity goes up, right? It's like yeah. building a house, like being a mechanical engineer, explaining it to a five-year-old is like, uh, but there are life. basic principles behind that. Sure. I mean, there's specific things that happen again and again, even though you have, you know, microcosm and medium cosm and whatever it is, but you have some basic principles that they're the same for the plumbing and the, you know, electricity, like sort right. of like, like you have to put an infrastructure. So you have to somehow explain the idea of the infrastructure. You start with yeah, the like basic. foundational. Then foundation, as, exactly. As you like drill deeper and go more granular, I think things just right. increase in complexity. Right, exactly. But you, that's not something necessarily that the five-year-old needs to know in order to understand how houses are built. That's true. You know, yeah. So but if like they're trying remember- to build a house then they probably need to know it. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. But if you get the idea, right? So I remember I was, um, when I was a kid, I was flabbergasted how we would get into our car and then we'll travel for like, you know, 200 miles. I was like, dad, how do you remember? Like, you know, how to go there? And he explained it to me very simply. He said, I don't remember the entire itinerary. 
right? I, I really don't. I just know how to go from, like, I take the entire trip, I split it down to three parts. I know how to go in the first part, then the second part, and then the third part. And that made yeah. perfect sense to me, right? That's a very simple way to explain to somebody how you remember. I get older and I, I realize that the depth of my ignorance is endless. Like, I don't know That's how good. electricity works. I have no idea how electricity works. When I flip a light on, I know that like uh, electricity flows to the light, but I don't know why that makes it come on. And I don't know how like batteries work. I have no idea of like how the electricity powers the battery and why the juices run out. Like just fundamentally, I, I have no earthly idea how so many things that are just the daily part of my life work. And to be um, fair, about 99% 99% of the population is in the same category. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I, I read uh, about electricity too the yeah. other day because I was like, I don't even know how this works. Then I read and I was like, I still don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't make sense. And who figured this out that like these electrons, you know, just uh, powered things it, like that's mind blowing to me. I think it was Faraday, if I don't remember. If I, but it doesn't matter. But you know, yeah. That's, but somebody had to figure yeah, it out, right? Right. Like right, yeah. how, like one human making that that breakthrough and making that connection right. to me is just mind blowing. Yeah, it is. It is. In, it is indeed uh, incredible. Um, so, uh, I guess we, yeah. I, I, I promised I'm going to mention the, the poker example that I had in mind. So just close this for anybody sure. who is uh, OCD. Close the loop. Close the loop. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically the ace deuce hand, right? A lot of a lot of students, you know, come and say, you know what, Duncan, you know, ace deuce is is not a is not a good hand. And that was the hand that we were discussing. If you remember one of your earlier podcasts, right? How yep. most people is the most losing hand, even uh, worse than performing worse than seven deuce, just because people are are overplaying it. And that's that's a little bit harder to explain, but it's the same principle as the student who thinks that you know knights are worse yeah. than the rooks. People yeah, would think that ace deuce is worse than seven deuce if they look at the data. Yeah, I think overplaying it, I, I would state it as like they're just playing it inappropriately. Right. That, that's like, what I meant. Yeah, like they're just putting in too much money or doing something that's inappropriate. Like maybe there, there are situations to play ace deuce that make sense and can make money. Absolutely. However, uh, if you mess up and just do things poorly, you're going to lose more money. I mean, I, I have like many examples of like higher category hands performing worse than lower category of hands um, because of some property that is not understood well enough by a student that's causing them to lose more money than they should, which is always surprising to me, but it's, it's an interesting thing. But, but that's why you're asking that question, right? I mean, that's why you're curious and you say, why, why would you, would you do that? Right? So that, why would you like you, you keep, uh, again, based on, on what you said earlier, right? I mean, that's how you would go ahead and, and ask this, this type of question you're sure. probing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's problem solving too, right? It's like right. leak identification and then problem solving of like, oh, that's very strange that this is happening. What's what's the root cause? Speaking of, of, of curiosity, I'm curious, what's your definition of overplaying? Why, why did you correct me there? What do you have as an idea of overplaying? Uh, I mean, like if the button min raises and you have ace deuce in the big blind, then you can defend. That's like playing mm -hmm. it appropriately, right? Right. Um, so to me, it was just a matter of like there are times to appropriately play ace deuce mm -hmm. and like it it is a v pippable hand i don't think that word's in the 
dictionary either, but <laughs> it, it is a vpipable hand in certain situations. However, if you don't understand the situations, then you know you're you're just playing it inappropriately. Absolutely, and you, it, it could be due to overplaying. It could like when I think of overplaying, I think of like generally aggression more mm-hmm. so than passivity. But mm-hmm. I guess it could be passivity too. Like overplaying could just be defending inappropriately sure. with ace deuce in, in the same way. So. Yeah. Okay. Th- that explains it. So you, you thought it in terms of aggression instead. Yeah. But I mean it in, yeah, a, minute, yeah, more, yeah, in yeah. a more general sense because I agree with you 100%. Right? I mean, the argument is not fold ace deuce as you fold seven deuce. Uh, otherwise, they would be worth the same. It's just that ace deuce is better. Why is it performing worse? That's basically the because question. Because people are playing it bad. Exactly. Play, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would just put the word over next to it, but that's I guess, <laughs> different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're messing it up, they're, they're, they're not me- playing it well. They're messing it up. So uh, just uh, in closing, if you were to describe for the listeners, just to paint us a picture, specific picture of your ideal student and perhaps the ideal version of yourself as a coach in terms of a story, like imagining a specific person, mm-hmm. we can we can call them Alex if you want, just so we have somebody to talk about. how. Describe a day uh, in the coaching section uh, 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 session. Excuse me, coaching session between Coach Brad and Alex. So B is coaching A. To distill it, I guess as much as possible, they they just listen. Mm-hmm. That's 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 it. Like they they just listen. They they they're open to having a conversation. They're open to thinking about things differently. But and your then, shrink is your best student. I mean, just like, you know, when we cover a topic and we identify a place to upgrade, just listen and execute Mm -hmm. and don't send me messages over the next five days saying that you've tried this thing eight times and it's gone wrong six. Like, I don't care, you know, (laughs) again, anything can, can happen over a small sample size. So it's just like, Trusting that we're arriving at good conclusions and clicking the right buttons in the situation as we trained. And that's really it. Yeah. You're, you're laughing over there. No, no, I, I love it. I love it. It's just, you know, like you, you're making it, uh, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's classic. Like you remind me of the, of the response from last week, just be better at poker, you know? So you're absolutely <laughs> right. Of course. It's just, well, you know, it's just, it's just like, I, I want to make progress, right? I'm somebody that wants to move forward. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be qualifying. I don't want to be like having to prove everything that we talk about again and mm-hmm. again and again, every coaching mm-hmm. session and every day outside of coaching session. Like we arrived at a conclusion, execute. If over a long period of time, things are going poorly, we'll reinvestigate. We'll look at the data because you're being consistent. You're not changing your strategy and then we'll make upgrades if necessary. But poker is a big game. These things take time. Like, you know, just there's all kinds of spray over a short period of time. So like um, my, my favorite, my favorite students are ones that engage their curiosity, ask good questions, are receptive, um, receptive to, uh, to making upgrades. And that also will like 
challenge sometimes. That's right. Exactly. Push back a healthy amount, like, right? That's the, you have to. Right. A healthy amount, not right. an That's unhealthy the, amount and right. not, not on things that are like, you know, it's like a, my, the thing that people quote to me in the village all the time, right? Where it's like trying to feed my kids dinner and, and I'm like, just eat the broccoli. Like, I swear to you, it's good for you. You know, like how many times in my life have I tried to poison you? I've never tried poisoning. You just do it. It's fucking for your good own good health, right? Like that, that I don't want to convince people to eat the broccoli every coaching session, you know, like eat it. If you don't like it, then don't eat it. Go find somebody else. I don't care. Right. No, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's certainly an element of, um, lack of chemistry, right? If there is lack of chemistry, if people are either, again, pushing back too much or they're not pushing back enough, maybe there's, it's not a good fit, right? In well, the if, end of the if day- If something's it, provable yeah. through data, right? And I can say like, yeah, raising under the gun with aces makes money. Well, I don't want to raise under the gun. I don't want to raise with aces. Why? Like, you're really, this is, this is what we're going to spend energy on? This, this question? That to me is like, Nah, just just go ahead. I, I think um, I think the problem is more on uh, on them actually insisting on pushing on an issue than an issue itself. Because if a very good student comes to me with a with a question like this, I will mm -hmm. take it far more seriously than somebody that you know, like everything that I say, they're going to say, "What if I do this? What if I do, if I if, if I do this?" You know what I mean? Because like if somebody who understands the optimal amount of pushing back and maybe they have a blind spot in there, maybe something is to be revealed sure. by actually see, because maybe they had a um, epiphany right? and the classic, it, it's not the difficult epiphany. Maybe they think, you know what, by limp re-raising, I make more money. So Duncan, I understand what you're saying, like raising under the gun, I understand it makes money. What if I made more money by limping, right? And this is somebody, again, if it's somebody who's like asking you that same thing every time you say raise with the hand, they say, what if I limped instead? Why would you say do story. it? Like, go for it. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. But, but also, like, well, you, you, can, you can push back yourself. I mean, you can have a conversation. Like, how, I like, can you know, push back, but if they say it every time, again, I'm not interested in having the same conversation 10 times. You know, that, I, just to make, to make sure we're on the same page, one of the prefaces of what I said is that, again, this uh, this pushback only makes sense to somebody who does it occasionally yeah, not yeah. Frequently. in, in yeah. which case like great like I, i'm happy with that but you know if i can just show you that like this is going to be the highest performing thing that you can do and you reject it then you reject it i, I i'm not I, i'm trying to show you scientifically you reject it okay we'll move on like I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to try to convince you. I don't want to try to convert anybody to anything. You know, right. I think have conversations with um, players in the community sometimes. And like, you know, it just turns into like, this is my opinion on a spot. And they're like, I totally disagree. Did you even consider all these other things? And like, yes, I did consider them and X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, well, I still think that that's bad. Like, I'll just throw up the shrugging emoji and move on with my life. Like, Okay, you think it's bad? I, it's not my job to convince you. Like, absolutely. No, that, that that makes sense. And again, it goes back to you know people who because again that sounds like the person who's close-minded enough to uh, to not listen at all to you at this specific spot, right? You Mostly, know, like, it's like people a, looking to prove they're right. They 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 want to prove they're right at all costs. 
And so when confronted with a reality that's different from what they currently believe, instead of being open to an upgrade, they double down Mm -hmm. on their current belief. And if that is the situation, you know, my, my parents are conspiracy theorists. I know enough (laughs) to know that you, it doesn't matter. Logic. How do you know? Logic data doesn't matter. You, You don't, you don't flip that belief. You can't. Um, so you just don't touch it. Absolutely. And just to, to, to lighten the mood, what are some of the, um, the weirdest, you know, like, uh, things that people constantly push you back on, like some of the, what's your favorite example of something that it can be proven that it's, you know, it's not what they say they are, but they're still pushing you on that. And they, many Duncan, different I'm, I'm relaxing, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm relaxing. After the success of the wolves, it making me dredge up my my bad. Uh... I was trying to find a funny story, and you're like getting <laughs> angry over this. Okay. No, no, I'm not getting angry. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I think one of okay. the best things that I've done is extracted myself from offering public private coaching. And so the people that I work with on a regular basis, my students are selected for, sure. uh, you know, very specifically because we work very well together. Um, so I don't really have to deal with that very much anymore. Um, but, I do have a favorite if you want. So we yeah, can yeah. You, you give it. me, you give me a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so my personal favorite is, uh, and again, this can come from a really good place too, like uh, really bright students. And it's actually difficult to answer too. You have to be careful. Uh, when people come to me and say, what if my opponent is random? Doesn't that mean that I, you know, uh, no matter what strategy I choose, it doesn't matter because they're random and they can always do something random, which is completely unexpected. Mm. That's that's mm. my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite because it's actually a good, it's a good argument. And 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 of course, the subtlety in that argument, which is not easy to uh, articulate, by the way, the subtlety is that somebody who's uh, uh, totally random, they're actually deterministically random, meaning that because they're random, now you expect them to be unexpected. So they mm-hmm. are expected in some sense. So what it, what is expected is that randomness, and when that randomness is expected, now you can deal with it, right? And 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 this is the, the like how you would explain it in sort of like one or two sentences. Anything that's expected, even the unexpected, can take be taken advantage of. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know what you know what I mean because you're a poker player, right? But I mean, somebody I actually who- haven't ever had anybody ask me that question before. What if somebody's just totally random? That's, it's it's a, it's a good question, right? I think so. My response would be different than yours, though. I would like, just say ahead. they're not. Like that would <laughs> nobody's right. totally random because right. humans are really bad at being random. Sure. That, that's also very true. That's also very true. But but for for the record, like the hypothetical, you know, thought experiment type of like totally random opponent, like you, you program a computer to be totally random, very easily exploitable. Just you just raise them every time, and randomly they will fold eventually. So uh, it's just very simple because, again, you expect them to do something unexpected and something unexpected means that, you know, they randomly will fall, they randomly will call, they will do random things. So you keep raising them until they randomly fall, you know, so. Well, and, I think too, like just a random, yeah, like it, it, a lot of it just so depends on of course. what the randomness is 
like is it just pure randomness they're just going all in arbitrarily right uh betting checking calling raising just at whim right. um in which case that they're probably going to be extremely exploitable right but why that's another question like why are they exploitable right because and, their frequencies I mean, are going to be out of whack in some way because sometimes you know you should high frequency bet but if you're like randomly doing things then your your frequencies just are out of whack which makes you naturally exploitable why because you keep in mind you're a beginner right so you're like okay so why having you know what does it mean to have optimal frequencies right i mean you have to go into the the specifics sure. what does it mean to be out of whack and why you know just being out of whack means you can take advantage of them like what is it exactly that you're taking advantage of um uh you're, you're taking advantage of some sort of frequency imbalance. I mean, you know, they have like a, that's right. They check or they bet. Right. And if it's random, then it's 50, 50. So then when you bet, they're going to 33% of the time fold 33% call 33% raise. So, I mean, and the that's top, your, the, the consistency that you take advantage of. Yeah. But you just described, so you described the consistency, right? So, so the truly, that's, right. So the truly but it, but it has to be like, if it's truly random and they're like rolling, there has to be some sort of frequencies that they're rolling for, right? Because I mean, if they have three options and they're all going to be determined equally over time, then it is 33%. So like in, in this case, in any pot that has like 10 big blinds, I would always bet one big blind right. Correct. With, exactly. with my bluffs because like, oh, they're just going to fold a third of the time, which is dramatically overfolding. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But that goes to show you now that, you know, at that point, then people realize, well, I mean, it's not good to be totally random. So then people are going to start saying, okay, maybe they're not completely random. And now they, now you give them the answer that you gave earlier. Then they have some patterns. If they have patterns, they can be exploited. Yeah, then but they're not even, random anymore. There mm -hmm. you go. But right. that's right. But even the random, like that's the thing. That there is something to that question. Even the random player has consistency. How, like being ran, totally random consistently, the consistent part of the randomness is something that can be exploited. Sure. And I think that that's something that can be specifically articulated. And and by just saying, come on, let me know, you know, who plays random anyway, right? I mean, it's just, we're not addressing the issue of, of the curious, right? So that's- Yeah, I think, I think beginner poker players are very concerned about people just being able to do anything at any time. Right. It's a little bit overwhelming, um, exactly. but- Exactly. All right. Good stuff. Beautiful. Man. Absolutely. Good conversation as always. Uh, before we dip on out of here, um, Twitters, all the tweeters, all the tweeters YouTubes, of the world. Uh, YouTube.com slash why Alex beats Bobby, B O B B I E, at CBG podcast on Twitter, greatnessvillage.com. Hop in, join the Philosophical Friday channel ask us questions duncan loves questions i do i really do just go and then especially on the youtube channel go drop drop a comment ask questions uh anything about uh or tell us the opinion what makes for a good coach what makes for a good student if sure. you're a coach yeah and if you disagree send the message to duncan <laughs> <laughs> i love this agreement you know i'm gonna i'm gonna lose sleep over it you're gonna troll me like why are we <laughs> Find What's interesting is like to me, it's like when there's a when 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 there's a disagreement, I'm just fine letting it go and moving on. You know, yes, I'm the opposite. I just want to try to yeah. You want to figure it out. 
Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, you know, just but but I mean, I'm interested also for the book, like you know, because I'm trying to figure out exactly why disagreements happen and how we can uh, uh, bridge those gaps, uh, especially you know, with all the the political problems and yeah. all the the issues that plague us. So yeah, low hanging fruit is probably shouldn't try to shame people and yell at them to change their mind. I I have a feeling that that's maybe the worst tool of influence ever invented by human beings. Absolutely. But then there is, unfortunately, I, I, I just have to respond to that, a why. Why should we shame people? I mean, it, it's obvious to you and me, but like before somebody accepts to not shame people, they sort of like have to understand the why. Go back the to why. the tweet, right? The yeah. tweet from Nick Howard, before you can coach somebody, before you can have an impact, they, you have to, they have to know that you care. And right. by making fun of them, by calling them names, by being adversarial, you're not showing in any way that you care which will not give you any influence over how this person is thinking, perceiving the world. And so like you do whatever side you're on, whatever cause you're gunning for uh, mm -hmm. harm instead of good. Or have some meta humility. Yeah. All right. Good, good yeah. stuff. Talk, see you next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Take care, man. Peace. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.